0: Hi, I'm Alec Jackson Jolly. I'm here with Dr. Marcus Collins, who's a clinical assistant professor of marketing um, at the University of Michigan. He is also the author of For the Culture The Power Behind What We Buy, What We Do, and Who We Want to Be. So, welcome, Marcus. Hi, how's it going? Yeah, glad to talk to you. We This is the third in a series of conversations we've been having um, around college as a investment one of the larger investments that people will make in their lifetime Mm -hmm. um, and how they should be thinking about that return on their investment Um, it's appropriate because right around now if you have a student at home a senior at home or if you're a parent or a professor you know that students are getting their applications in right now and getting ready for those decisions to come back so consumers of higher education are really thinking about this right now. And so I wanted to ask you, um, what do you think are the big things that these students should be thinking about in terms of making sure they get Mm -hmm. the most out of their investment?
1: If you would have asked me this 10 years ago, I think my answer would be different. But having uh, been a part of academia for almost a, a decade now and teaching uh, at a high-caliber uh, university, my answer is different. So back then, I would have said, "Oh, you need to go to a place where, uh, you know, where your major is really good, that you can, you know, learn from really good professors, and you know, you can have a really great experience, and you can get a job after the fact because people are going to see that brand on your resume, and it's going to signal something about you, and it's going to open up more doors." I think today my thinking is a little different because I feel like I have always been taught, or had always been taught to think of college as a vocation, as a place where I study my vocation, right? Uh, If I wanna be a, a marketer, I study marketing. If I want to be a writer, I go into writing, right? Or creative writing, whatever the case may be, or maybe English. But what I found though, and maybe this is a bit provocative, is I think that college is better seen as a place to learn how to learn to learn how to learn how to develop critical uh, thinking skills that enable you to be able to be put in almost any situation and navigate it with some level of skill some acumen of, of of know-how because learning how to learn is almost one of the most critical things to have and I realized that, in my undergraduate experience that I didn't know how to learn. So I struggled mightily (laughs) through uh, my undergraduate experience in the early years, because I didn't know how to learn. It took me a long time to be a good learner. And as a professor now, what I tell my students that the very best thing I can give you, the most important thing I can give you is perspective, a way of seeing the world because skills are gonna come, things are gonna change, you have to adapt to these new things, but the way you see the world would be a way by which it's framed. So if you have the ability to widen the aperture, to keep seeing the world in many different ways because you know how to learn, then you can adapt to any situation. And that's really what's gonna give us, that's gonna be sort of the the best determinant of success, of the job you want, of the high salary you're going after, all these things are byproducts of our networks of our opportunities and our abilities to rise to the opportunity
0: so um, that's so it is a little provocative but I really like that that's really an interesting way of thinking about it but let me ask you this mm-hmm. because um, there's all kind of parents everywhere that know that stem jobs are the jobs sure so is there is it better to learn to learn how to do STEM? Like, is there any value in learning to learn a specific skill that when um, we look at the economy and we say, okay, that's where the economy is going? Or do you think that just blank, you can learn to be a critical thinker and, and, and do that in STEM or in journalism or?
1: Well, we'll say it this way. Say um, I want to write code. Okay, great, I I wanna write code. So I'm gonna go to school to learn how to do that. The idea then is that in four years, I still wanna write code, and what I have learned will be able to help me do that. But in the world of tech, it is constantly changing. Sorry. In the world of tech, it's constantly changing. Therefore, you have to be able to be nimble and be able to be flexible to change. Right. So we'd say, oh, don't just take engineering courses, take some behavioral science courses, take some of these courses to help round you out. And that's another you know, way of a euphemism of saying to see the world in many different ways and different lenses so you can pull at these things. So while I say if you want to be a doctor, that is a vocation. I want to be a doctor. Right. So I'm going to go a doctor driven track. But if you're like, look, I want to be in business. Oh, let's talk about that. Right? That's a, this is how I want to apply my skills, it's the environment in which I want to apply my skills. And I'd say, great. Now we need to learn how to learn so that you can navigate that environment well. Think of it this way. For, I teach at a business school. Uh, someone says, I want to go into, into operations. Great. I want to go into supply chain management. I have never received a phone call from any of my classmates in the NBA program to said, hey, what's that, that, that law, that Littles Law thing again? Give me that, that, that <laughs> calculus again. No, no, no. <laughs> do you know what we call our classmates asking for? I have a problem with my manager. I'm having a problem with this employee who I can't get to do a thing. My, my leadership does, doesn't recognize, they don't see me. How do I break through? These are things that aren't taught in a vocation. They're taught, they're not taught in school as a vocation, they're learned throughout the way. How do we learn how to learn? And I think that the, when I, like a sort of focus group of one, when I started to learn how to learn, the world opened up for me. When, I, when the world opened up for me, I started to say, ooh, if I wanna do that, I need to learn these skills, so I'm gonna learn those skills. Ooh, if I wanna learn that, I need to understand this, this idea, this concept, this theory. So I go learn that. And the alchemy of those things helped me be better suited to solve the thing. I believe that if I were doing that earlier, I'd probably be in better places. (laughs) But I think that the notion here is that in those early years, we are learning how to apprehend the world and make sense of the world. Then we say, okay, I'm ready to go do it. And then the master's program is about being an apprentice. I know I've learned how to learn. I've got some skills. I wanna be a master at this thing. So I go into a master's program right, from journeyman to apprentice to mastery. And then I go, okay, now I can apply these things in all the many heterogeneous ways in which they come to be. But it starts with being able to see the world in multiple ways.
0: So I I love this idea about choosing a college or a program based on, at least from an undergrad level, um, being able to learn to learn. Um, Does that make the old um, stern, professor sort of a thing of the past? Because if you wanna learn, teach someone to learn, you wanna make it fun, right? Yeah. You wanna make their, your students have fun doing it, feel good about it. So in your view, is there sort of like a college professor type that is gonna be outdated?
1: Well, I think the idea of professor, like I'm going to profess things to you in a very professorial way, I think that just like any uh, media consumption habit, have been disrupted, then people want to have different expectations. The same thing goes in the classroom. I, I tend to get my pedagogy from uh, a gentleman named Jean Piaget, right? I'm a Piagetian kind of guy. and He believed that people learn when they find themselves in a state of cognitive, uh, cognitive disequilibrium. Right. That is, the world I thought i know is disrupted. Now I have to allocate all my energy to putting the world back together again. This is how I tell my students. Uh, my, my daughter, uh, Georgia, used to be obsessed with cows, right? And we we're on a road trip and I go, hey, Georgia, look at those cows over there. She go, I, I don't see any cows. My wife goes, the cows right there, honey, what are you talking about? She's like, I don't see cows. Well, the cows we were pointing to were brown. In Georgia's mind, cows are black and white, say moo and eat grass. She's like, them ain't no cows. And in that moment, Georgia found herself in a state of cognitive disequilibrium, And she had two choices. She could say, oh, cows are black and white and brown and now see the world differently. Or she could say, mom and dad, y'all wrong. That's not a cow. She would have strengthened her current stance in the second iteration. But if she said, oh, these two things exist, she would have learned. And that's how I tried to teach. Like I think of myself as not like a professor, but as like your Obi-Wan Kenobi sort of leading you through Jedi Knighthood by providing experiences, curating an environment where you are are in cognitive disequilibrium and I'm giving you sort of the skills, the tools, the provocations to help you put the world back together again. And I believe that my students walk out thinking like, I see the world differently. Like I've learned how to learn about the world around me. My schema has been broken. And therefore, I have learned how to allocate cognitive energy to make sense of the world, to make meaning of the world. To have these theories, I have these examples, I have these case studies to pull from to help me make meaning of the world should my world be disrupted again. So that as a institution, we are making lifelong learners. And when we are lifelong learners, not only we become good standing citizens in society, we hit that social uh, aspect of things, but those people typically perform better in the workforce. They're typically more ambitious. They typically have better ideas. They're typically more creative, They're typically more innovative. And therefore, all those things that we aspire to from a, a financial capital perspective, we are laying the groundwork, the foundation for people to get access to it.
0: Hmm. So if I am looking to, I just got my acceptances, and I wanna know like which of these universities are gonna help me do that. I I think I hear you say, like, have transferable skills um, and um, just be a good critical thinker Mm -hmm. and and learner. Um, How do I, what do I look for? What are the, what do you think are the um, sort of like little tipping points that I know or the little tip offs that I know that this university is going to be good at that for me?
1: So my niece, Sydney, right now, she's a a senior in high school and she's applying to all the things. She's doing all the things right now. Um, and she's interested in food science. She's always been into baking. And, and that's kind of what she likes. It gets, her, it gets her going. And she thinks in her mind right now that she's going to be in that field. And I go, that's great. So I say, Sid, you should look for schools where they do that well. right? But pick the schools where you feel like you're going to be able to learn best. That is, the environment is curated so that you can become a good learner. And you choose this major because you're excited about it. The idea of choosing majors you're excited about is that when it gets hard, because it's gonna get hard, you can at least say, I at least like the subject matter. And you know, I didn't learn that until I was in my doctoral program. They tell you, hey, listen, whatever you're gonna do as your dissertation, you better be really interested in it because it's gonna get really sucky at some point. It's gonna get really dark, it's gonna be really heavy, and you're gonna to wanna to quit but your your affinity for the subject matter your affinity for the topic that's going to keep pushing you that's going to keep moving you forward so you're learning about this thing that you're interested in while you're learning how to learn in, 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 in an undergrad experience and this is why i tell Sid that like Sydney, like you want to do food science that's great go to the schools and do that well but even if they don't do that you can have a proximal thing like chemistry for instance Right, so like you are adjacent to the thing that you want, so you still have some interest in it, but you go to the schools, you go to the places where you feel like the environment is curated to help you learn, but also you learn learning with the people that you think you're gonna learn best from. And that hopefully they'll open up some financial capital for you along the way.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, thank you, I actually have a senior myself getting ready to go to college, so I will take some of this advice. <laughs> home with me, um, but we're out of time. Thank you so much for um, being here, making us all a little bit smarter about um, how we can invest in our higher education in a way that we will, will serve us well and return our investment back to us. Awesome,
1: thanks for having me.